This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in. Sports Talk Wednesday nights from the capital city. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here. Chris Bergen with the Coastal Carolina basketball team joining us from Statesboro, Georgia. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number for you. To reach us tonight on Sports Talk, great, great lineup for you. Rick Sanford at 635. Catch up with Dr. Rick. He's got a lot to say, no doubt, about the world of football, college and NFL, including his beloved Patriots and what's happening there. Look forward to having him with us. 705, Coach John Combs hooping and hollering. High school basketball is on fire in South Carolina. And we'll talk with him about that. And I think we'll have a special guest tonight. 735, Major Billy Downer, SC Wild. And... I think one thing we'll talk about tonight with this cold weather about to hit us for a few days, how to prepare for the outdoors with this cold weather and how to prepare and protect your animals and how to protect and prepare your hunting grounds or fishing grounds or not fishing grounds, but fishing areas, whatever. We'll talk all about that with Major Downer tonight as well. You can join us right off the top, 888-898-2525. Welcome in Bergie from down in Statesboro. Coastal Carolina plays tomorrow night. Tough night on the hardwood for the Gamecocks and Tigers. Two games at home. Both they could have won. And, you know, I know people are down. You just, uh, with basketball, Bergie, you see it in person a lot more than any of us do. You're with Coastal every game. Been that way for years before that. Presbyterian. No. Yes, Presbyterian. Uh, and also yes. Coastal Women. You've watched a lot of basketball over the years of a variety. So you, you can't get, you know, too up, too down with a basketball season. It's a long season. It's a simple game when you boil it down. It's the simplest of games. It's a make-or-miss game. You make shots, you win. You miss shots, you lose. In South Carolina, their game last night went through an extended period where they couldn't make a shot, and they let Georgia back from the dead. They were up by nine, and all of a sudden they couldn't make a shot. And Georgia, give them credit. They kept grinding and grinding and playing tough defense and making free throws. The Gamecocks couldn't make a shot from the floor, and they couldn't make a shot from the foul line. Missed too many free throws. Really, when you boil it down, the difference in free throw shooting is the difference on the scoreboard in that game. And then there's Clemson, which looked like they had that game in their pocket last night a couple of times. And... Georgia Tech just made some incredible shots, and Clemson did not down the stretch in, what, regulation and at the end of the first overtime, I think. And then Georgia Tech hit another big shot uh, in the second overtime, I think, late on, and and pulled out a huge win for them. Damon Stoudemire, his first year as the head coach at Georgia Tech, pulled out a huge win for them 
at Clemson. So disappointing, disappointing nights for both teams. I don't think anybody should be um, washing their hands of the basketball season and saying these teams are just going to go right down the toilet. No, they're better teams than that, and they're going to beat some people just like at Missouri. Missouri probably felt the same way the other night after the Gamecocks won there. They're going to beat some people down the road, but just a tough night last night when you had a golden opportunity to get W's at home. You are such the voice of reason. By the way, before we even get into last night, hello guys from Statesboro. I found out something interesting about Statesboro I'd never known before. This is the only Statesboro city or town in the United States. Oh, interesting. The closest would be Statesville up in North Carolina. But yeah, I just that was an aside that I was looking through some other stuff for, for game prep tomorrow. But you are the voice of reason for <laughs> basketball. That, do you save a note like that when your team's down by 30? I, no, I've actually got that in my game open, uh, introducing where we are. So okay. that'll, be a, that'll be a little teaser for tomorrow. <laughs> hey, when you go uncover nuggets like that, you can't wait until the end of the ballgame. You've got to get them out early. I understand. Because you don't know how long your audience is going to stay with you. Now, you being the voice of reason to basketball, I suffer terribly with acid reflux, and basketball is the reason why. Mm. Because I live and die on ball games like last night. I, I treat them much like football games, that every game matters. And I, I shouldn't. And normally I try and separate myself for the job that we do here at Sports Talk. And I, I get disappointed when our teams lose in football. I got angry last night at both of them because those are two games they had no business losing. If South Carolina just shoots their season average from the free throw line, Phil, they win. Mm-hmm. It's the bottom line. They were a 75% free throw shooting team entering play last night. Top 50, I think, nationally. That, you translate that out, 75% of 32, if my math is correct, would be 24 made free throws. That would have been enough. That was, what, seven extra points that they left on the free throw line. They win the ball game. So there was no excuse for them to lose last night. And, and I know what happens when South Carolina or Clemson loses those type ball games. If we're sitting here in March, middle of March already, clearly focused on the baseball season, we're going to look back to January 16th and think that's one of the games – that perhaps kept them out of the tournament. And then on the flip side, what is Brad Brownell doing? And I've been a big fan, big advocate of Brad Brownell. I think he is a good coach, and I believe he's a good coach. But it is remarkable to me how good coaches do the dumbest things in end-of-game situations. You're up three, Brad. Ten seconds left to go in the game. You foul. You don't let Georgia Tech get that three-pointer off with two seconds left to go to send it into overtime. It's, It's basic basketball 101 up three late you foul and he he was asked about it in the post game and he talked about he's won games fouling he's lost game i'd like to see what game he lost fouling up three late i'd like to understand the scenario because i just don't get it and he's not the only one that does that i've seen coach after coach after coach that won't foul because they're afraid of the nearly impossible that their players are going to commit a foul while a guy's shooting a desperation three, he'll knock it down, they'll hit a four-point play, and they'll lose the game. Mm-hmm. Your scenario increases considerably if you don't foul, though, i.e. what happened last night. That game should have never gotten to overtime, much less double overtime. Clemson should have won that game because Brad Brownell should have had them foul with about four seconds left to go. They win the ball game. You, you're dominating the glass. You've got two guys that are very good rebounders in P.J. Hall and Ian Shefflin, they would have gotten the second miss if Georgia Tech had to go that route. I just don't get it. Good coaches get dumb with end-of-game scenarios, and it's just remarkable. And that's a game Clemson had no business losing, just like South Carolina had no business losing their game last night. Yeah, And that's why I was angry. 
Yep, I I'm not understand. disappointed. I'm angry at both of them. I totally agree. I, it <sighs> it just makes the common sense. You put them on the foul line. I think another concern mm-hmm. is that uh, well. Maybe not as big of concern of what you're saying, but the idea of getting that second rebound. But you mentioned you've got Hall, you've got Shefflin, and between them they had 38 rebounds last night. Uh, Hall yeah. had 17. They're I think Shefflin had Tech's 10 or 11. Winning. So, yeah. I, I, Georgia Tech's not winning that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and the Gamecocks make free throws. But, you know, sometimes, well, maybe more than sometimes, a lot of the time, making free throws at a high percentage for your team is dependent on who's making, who's shooting the free throws. And the Gamecocks sure, had sure. one stretch of two minutes where Josh Gray was on the floor. And you would, you would appreciate the all-out effort that he gave. He was tremendous. In his time on the floor, he was tremendous in his effort. However, the end result was... He was fouled, and he missed all his free throws. I think it was a total of – I can go back and check the record. I want to say he missed five free throws. He also missed a shot inside. He made a shot inside. He he also had a a block shot, or he affected a shot. But the point is, you get the wrong guy at the foul line at a critical time, and that was the case there. And then later they had – um, Murray Murray Boyles at the line, and he missed a couple of free throws, I believe. They just had the wrong guys at the foul line at a critical time, and they, they missed the foul shots. And it added up, and it allowed uh, Georgia, at the same time South Carolina was missing shot after shot after shot, it allowed Georgia to come back from nine down, turn the game around, and uh, build a little bit of a lead. Still, the Gamecocks got it down to three, but... Um, they couldn't get any closer after they got it back down to three, uh, and that was it. And Georgia won a big, big road game for them. And so the Gamecocks have got to go out and get another one on the road. Arkansas is a beatable team. You know, when Arkansas beat Duke and they stormed the floor in Fayetteville, everybody thought, oh, look at Arkansas, blah, blah, blah. But they've had their struggles since then. So I don't think this game in Arkansas for them on Saturday is out of reach. And Clemson's got to go down to Florida State, which is a winnable game for them. I mean, Florida State, I think, is a little bit on the rebound after struggling last year and struggling earlier this year. I think they might be a little bit on the rebound, but that should be a game Clemson can go down and win. When P.J. Hall gives you 31-17 and 17, and Ian Shefflin you win the game. gives you 20-11 and 11 or 20-10, and 10, yeah, you're right. you got to win that game. You, gotta, you cannot lose a game with that kind of offensive effort from your best player and then who's emerging is maybe your second best player uh, because that kid chef when he gives it to you 100 percent every game and he gets you every loose ball and he can actually you know he's not he is not the prototypical from an appearance standpoint he's not the prototypical typical acc basketball player you know you would look at him and never would guess he plays acc basketball but looks can be deceiving you know I mean you never he look looks at me like a surfer you, you look at me and never realize that you know that I was once a well anyway um so anyway tough oh, one other point tough, uh, yeah, one, go ahead, go ahead. one other point that would have salvaged that would have salvaged Brownell last night if Chase Hunter hits that second free throw to put him up four so free throws played a factor in Clemson's game but Brad you've got to know better 
you you know better. I know you're a good enough coach to realize up three late you foul. It's just it's simple. It's your team should that should have that drilled into their mindset. And they had that opportunity when the pass came off on the left wing with about four seconds left to go. They could have fouled right there. Instead, they pass it back to uh, the kid who made the three pointer after pump faking, knocked it down with two. I just. I, like I said, Phil, I, I needed some therapy after last night. I wanted to throw stuff through the television sets at both teams. I understand. those are two games they had no business losing last night. And one more quick point along with Clemson. As somebody who played basketball for most of their life, at some point, whether it's the teammates, whether it's the coaching staff, if you're shooting horribly from three-point, at what point's enough enough? Yeah. Last night, 3 of 21, 14.3% from three. At what point do you say, guys, stop shooting threes? P.J. Hall's having an incredible game. Work the ball inside. Shefflin's doing really well inside. At what point do you just stop shooting from outside? Because that also, last night, watching the game, is like you want to beat your head against the wall. It, some nights you're on, some nights you're off. But mm-hmm. last night you're off. At what point it's enough enough? That second game, they've had a really bad three-point shooting game. After starting off the year as one of the elite three-point shooting teams in the country, and North Carolina game, shooting, uh, uh, playing at home, they were like, what, one for 18, I think? And then this one, they were yeah. shooting a bunch of bricks out, out there as well. So, um, okay. So, your thoughts on that? 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Just seeing a note here that Jerry Glanville uh, passed away at the age of – oh, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. I misread oh, this. Oh, gosh. Jerry Glanville's been named the defensive coordinator. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I saw Jerry Glanville and then I saw his age, and I'm trying to do a couple of things, and I'm thinking, oh, he passed away at 82. No, I'm sorry. I take it back. He's not passed away. Uh, he's been named the defensive coordinator at Northwestern Oklahoma State. That's a D2 team at the age of 82 with 57 years of That's coaching remarkable. experience. <laughs> so congratulations, Please you're tell me very he's much wear alive. His cowboy hat. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. By the way, that brings me to what I want to really say, and that is I went to Sumter today for the funeral for Art Baker, and what a uplifting event that was for me personally to sit and listen to the things that were said about Art Baker by uh the preacher, and by Bobby Richardson, and by Rick Gilstrap. Remember Rick Gilstrap? Rick Gilstrap is married to Art Baker's daughter, and they have a obviously a long personal relationship, 44 years of marriage, but he also, uh, Art Baker, um, helped him in his coaching career tremendously. And, of course, he once was the head coach at Wofford, quarterback at Clemson. That's where they first connected because – Art Baker was an assistant coach for Frank Howard at Clemson. So they, they delivered some wonderful words. I got to repeat something that Bobby, a story that Bobby Richardson told, not word for word, but in, in general. So he's talking about, of course, they're both from Sumter. Imagine that, right? They're both from Sumter. And he's talking about competing against Art Baker as a kid in Sumter. They were about, he said they were, I think he said they were seven years apart. Which, and, and Art was older, so that would make, if Art Baker was 94, that would make Bobby Richardson 87. Does that sound right? Um, 
I think that's what wow. he said. Yeah, Don't hold me to getting, it. Yeah. My, me, you know, my, my reporting skills have, have wasted away, so I don't actually recall exactly the what he said there, but I think that's what he said. Um, but what stood out to me was he was telling his story. He said, when we were kids, we used to compete against uh, one another. And he said, we were playing a baseball game. And he said, uh, Art struck him out three times. Now, you know, Bobby Richardson You're did kidding. not strike out at all. He didn't strike <laughs> exactly. out. He said, Art Baker struck me out three times. And he said, you know, in the World Series one year, we're playing the Dodgers, and I'm facing, we're facing Sandy Koufax. And he said, Sandy Koufax struck me out three times. And he said, Art Baker struck me out three times. And he told the story. He goes, it was Tony Kubek, Bobby Richardson, and Mickey Mantle. I think that was the batting order. And he said, Koufax struck oh my out. gosh. Kubek. He struck me out, and he struck out Mickey in one inning. Next time the three of us came up, strike out, strike out, strike out. He said, third time we came up, he said, Kubek struck out. He said, I struck out. And he said, I was walking back to the dugout past Mickey, and Mickey said, well, I might as well not even go up there because I know I'm going to strike out. <laughs> you know? I mean, those kind of stories are just, they're just the greatest. Wow, but that's amazing. Saw a lot of uh, folks uh, from South Carolina and Clemson, um, so uh, Dennis Powell was there, former Gamecock basketball player. Uh, Brad Scott, Jeff Scott, they were both there from Clemson. Uh, administrators from uh, South Carolina were there. Um, saw some folks, older gentlemen wearing Clemson Letterman jackets, so they must have been there when he was uh, coaching at, at Clemson. Uh, Furman people were there, Citadel people. Um, Robbie Caldwell saw him, and I'm hoping I'm not missing it. I'm, I'm going to miss some people that I've ran into, but – I remember speaking with him. Um, oh, KT was there. Kerry Tharp was there. Kerry said he's 14 days into his retirement, and uh, the wife hasn't run him out of the house yet. So uh, that's okay, all good. good. He looks good he's 14 days. He's not bored days. yet. Huh? No, no, he looks good 14 <laughs> days into his retirement. So I saw KT was there. And um, let's see, who else? Um, Coach Ray Stackley from down at uh, Stratford, uh, formerly retired, of course, down in Charleston. He was there. Saw a bunch of. Uh, of, of high school football coaches uh, were there. Uh, coach Clifford, a former coach at um, at Beaufort, uh, Mark Clifford played at Clemson. Uh, he was there. And, and again, I apologize for not recalling everybody. I just tried to speak to as many people as possible and say hello. So it was just uh, it was an uplifting time. And um, you know, he was a great man who impacted a, a, a lot of lives uh, in this state, both on and off the. The playing field. I think he was as big in his um, religion and his beliefs and involvement with FCA. You know, he started the FCA program at Clemson. He went to Frank Howard and wow, suggested okay. that they start an FCA program. And Howard said, okay. And he did. And he was very involved with that throughout his entire uh, coaching career and afterwards. So, anyway, it was a very nicely done uh, funeral. We wish the best to the Baker's, uh, Baker family. I got a chance to talk to both of his sons, who are tremendous guys, or two of his sons. I don't don't know if he has any others, but but two of them, and uh, and wish them well. So it, it was it was really well done. All right. Um, anything else going on that uh, you've seen today? Or shall we jump into phone calls? I've not seen much. I saw one of the uh, NBA games. I think the uh, Warriors have postponed their game after the uh, death of one of their assistants who passed away at the age of 46, I I believe it was, suffered a heart attack Mm -hmm. during a team dinner last night. Just a tragic story. 
But other than that, haven't seen a whole lot of movement outside of the exodus, unbelievably so. The exodus from Alabama continues with, what, two or three more kids jumping in the portal today. Yep. Uh, you know, not so much about being at Bama as it is playing for a certain coach, I guess. Indeed. You know. All right, well, let's get be. to the phone That's calls. That's got to be the reason. Phone calls, phone calls, 888-898-2525, South Carolina, education lottery lucky number. By the way, there were many more appeals heard today around the high school league for schools appealing where they have been placed uh, in the new classification. I'm um, reading here from Lou Bajak, Christ Church won their appeal. American Leadership lost their appeal. Um. So that's just the headline that he wrote on that tweet. So, Well, Christchurch, as we talked about last night, Phil, I thought it was going to be punitive if they made them stay at 4A. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're allowed now to uh, – they're only going up to AAA, I think 3A, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. That'll help them some. That'll help them some. All yeah. right. Um, hey, Pat, if you would, lead us into our phone calls. I don't have the uh, sheet open, so if you would lead us, go right ahead. More than happy to. And for both of our callers here, I love that we've got both sides of the rivalries. First, we're going to start off with Tiger Bryan over in Lancaster and then follow right behind him with Gamecock Larry. Well, you can't have one without the other. It's like salt and pepper. It's like day and night. It's like up and down, in and out, and any other type of uh, connections you can make. That's right. Hey, Tiger Brian, too, one little news note for you. You might like, as a Clemson fan, former Tiger center and national champion Jay uh, Guillermo. He was an offensive graduate assistant this past year on Tony Elliott's staff at UVA. He just posted a few minutes ago he has been named the new offensive line coach at Navy. So congratulations to him. Anchors away. Tiger Brian? Hey. Were you in the Navy? Were, Were you in the Navy at one time? No, okay. no, not in Vegas. Yeah. Huh? No. You're a Green Bay Packer fan, ain't you? Yes, sir. Number one, Man. world's biggest, the greatest. I know. You didn't know I was a Dallas fan, did you? Well, I'm glad to know it now, you dirt-licking, yellow belly cowboy <laughs> fan. Well, I'm going to tell you what. We, <laughs> you better be glad I called like off that. the dogs in the third quarter. I called off the dogs. I sent a text message. I said, call off the dogs. Well, y'all whoop this like a redheaded stepchild. I know that. Easy. Careful easy, now. Careful. Easy. You redheaded? <laughs> yeah, I'm teasing. I am, but I take no offense. But I like <laughs> no, he's, not a, he's not a stepchild, but he is <laughs> <I'm> redheaded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Mr. Tiger Bryant said, Corn Blue don't even know you as a Dallas fan, does he? I said, no. I said, so why you told, I told her you was a Green Bay fan mm-hmm. during the game. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was, on, I, I, was all, I had a speech. Ready for you when we whoop y'all. Yeah. Yes. But guess what? Guess what? It didn't happen. It It didn't happen. I I burnt burnt my little notes with trash. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't blame you. (laughs) You know what, though? You think any of our other running backs since Moffitt's coming back at Clemson, you think some of them go through the portal? I mean, well, you'll never know play. after spring practice. There's going to be another open period, and after guys go through spring ball and they evaluate things, you know, I, I think that uh, you'll see you see some movement. But I, I think their running back room is not so overburdened with players that you know you got Moffa coming back. You got um, you got Haynes. I think some people are pretty 
pretty high on him and giving him a, a chance. I think Pat in particular is high on on Haynes, and so he'll get his shot in the spring. You got uh, the youngster coming in uh, in the class, so it's not like they got a bunch of them in there that they have to feel like they're not going to get a shot. So I wouldn't expect it. I, I think they're going to probably give all those guys a lot of work in the spring. Probably not give Moffa so much because he doesn't need the work. You know what you got there. That's right. And uh, Keith Allen Jr., that man, he's fullback. I mean, he's a big old boy, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. I, I'm looking good for the receivers, though. That's what I'm worried about. Well, they think they really upgraded overall in their talent with the two that they signed in this class. Yeah. Uh, and with what they've All got right. coming back, y'all they have... think these two are going to lift them up. Thank you, uh, yeah. Cowboy All Fan right. Loser. Y'all have a good night. Cowboys lose. Cowboy Fan Loser. Tiger Brian, Tiger Loser, Tiger Cowboy Loser. That's what he is. Be back after the break. Rick Sanford coming up. We're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. It's a very busy Wednesday night, hooping and hollering. John Combs coming up a little bit after 7, SC Wild with Major Downer, 7.35. Try and drop in some post-game comments from Brad Brownell and Lamont Paris from last night as well, plus a recruiting update. But right now, it is indeed our pleasure, our honor. We bend the knee, seldom, but we bend the knee on this occasion. As we welcome back to Sports Talk, draft pick, first round, number one in South Carolina history, All-American, All-SEC, no, you weren't All-SEC, whatever you were back then, number 25, the good doctor, Rick Sanford, and belated happy birthday. Well, thank you, Phil. You know, that's quite a welcome you gave me. I was all independent, though. (laughs) I was just testing you. I was just testing you. It is great to have you with us. My apologies, because I planned to have you last week. I even mentioned we were going to have you, and I dropped the ball. It was the day that Saban retired. What was your reaction when you heard that come down? Well, I'm not really surprised. I mean, he was 72 years old, and um, I guess in this uh, phase of of his life, and this time, you know, with the NIL and all that going on, I mean, who wants to fight all that? I I don't really understand, you know, how the NCAA has, you know, they're going to have to do something about this, or either if they don't, it's just going to, College football is kind of going to go away and just, I, I, you know, they use it right now really anyway, Phil, for a feeder system for the NFL. Mm-hmm. But then, it's, you know, now it's going to be, you know, just almost college is not going to be college anymore. But it seems like, Rick, people still love college football. Television ratings, which I think are somewhat influenced by all the gambling and people watching to see if they're, they win their bet. But right now... I don't see where the interest is being impacted. Now, it might happen 10 or 15 years down the road, maybe less, maybe not. But right now, I don't see where anything's being hurt by what's going on. Believe me now, I'm not crazy about it. I've sort of accepted it. I'm not crazy about it. But I don't see where it's 
hurting anything right now in those areas where you look to see if something is starting to lose lose itself? Well, Phil, I think you have to look at um, the the haves and the have-nots in the future, and the haves are going to be the ones that's going to get all the players, and, and those are the schools that can afford these people, the Texas, the Texas A&M, the Southern Cows, the uh, probably Ohio State, the you know these type of people uh, that that can afford the you know the NIL, uh, and then they're going to continue to win. Now, what's going to happen to the teams that are going to be middle tier though, Phil? Don't you think some of those fans are finally going to just say, "I've had it. We're not winning. We're not going to win." Uh, I think the interest is going to wane at some point if the NCAA, which is the athletic director the way I understood it always, right? The mm-hmm. NCAA is the athletic. When are they going to do something about this? I mean, they have that, you know, and, and the thing that really aggravates me about it is that they had plenty of opportunities. They've done nothing but enrich themselves, and they had plenty of opportunity through the years to fix this, and they never did make an attempt to. It's called pure greed on their part. There's no question about that up and down the line. A couple of weeks ago, I went down the list of, who do you blame for where we are? You know what? I blamed everybody. Presidents, yeah. ADs, coaches for their greed, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, fans for their greed and that they want their teams to win so badly that they're willing mm-hmm. to uh, pay money directly to the players. But now let me ask you this. I mean, it's a system. I just don't see how, and you're exactly right with what you're saying, I don't see how it can sustain itself in that you have to replenish the kitty every year. So, like, you're a school, you're an NIL, and you got your people who give your $25, your $50, and, and that's, you know, that's fine. But you're not going to get anywhere with that. you got to have people who are going to give you, you know, several hundred thousand, if not more in some cases. And you might go to them one year and say, look, man, we need $600,000 to keep this quarterback to help us win. Mm-hmm. All right? So you get a guy to do that. Okay, this guy – he he plays whatever he leaves, and now next year you got a wide receiver that you need to pay four hundred thousand dollars to to keep him to help you win. Well, you're going to go back to the same guy, or have you got some? The point is you're constantly having to go back and replenish the kitty. How are mm-hmm. you going to sustain that over the next how many years, decades, trying to run a system that way? I don't know that you can. I, I, I'm, I'm like you, Phil. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to do that when you don't have. But um, you know, donors age too. You know, they're going to age out, and then you got to go look for new donors. It's just going to be a continual cycle. I just think the NCAA brought this on themselves. Um, I, it's not that I blame the players. I, I, I really blame. More so, I blame the admins, like you said, the uh, the, the people uh, who were really, I think, responsible for this. They didn't have a problem enriching themselves, but they sure had a problem, you know, giving some kind of stipend to players that, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous to me, Phil, when you when you look at a player that can't even go sign autographs mm-hmm. and make money off of it. I mean, I mean, you know, and then there's some type of certain food you can't feed a player or something. Yeah. I mean, what, what is that all about? Yeah, I mean, they were over the top, no question about it. They were severely over the top with their heavy-handedness 
in in trying to legislate everything. They were trying to legislate everything. And mm-hmm. look, we we know that there were schools doing stuff under the table back then, which today it would be totally legal. Though the NCAA now, I don't know where they came up with this. You know, this this penalty that they've imposed on Florida State for violating their NIL rules. Well, then you might as well go ahead and prosecute seventy five other schools right now, because well, Florida State is by far and away not alone and what they've been using NIL to entice recruits or to try to keep players, which the NCAA states you can't do. It's just, it, and it's open. Nobody's even hiding the fact that they're trying to buy players to either stay or come to their program. So you might as well go ahead and start prosecuting about 75 other programs. Well, I totally agree with you. And I, 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 don't, uh, I don't understand how you can single out, you know, one school when they've all been doing it. Uh, you know, and I, I don't mean all, but, you know, like you said, there's probably multiple schools oh, out yeah. there have been doing the same things. Uh, are they just waiting around to see when <laughs> when somebody's going to knock on their door or what uh, in regards to this finding? But, you know, Phil, it, it could have been averted, I think, a long time ago. If they, you know, I said this a long time ago. I said, if you'd have given – Every one of those players, two thousand dollars a month, you probably would never be in this position, and, you know. And their education, mm-hmm. you know, but but education's kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, but two or three thousand dollars a month would have been, dude. That would have been like um, you'd have thought you were rich playing in college with that kind of money. Would have made you happy, uh, and, wouldn't and it? Now, it would have no, made you happy. Well, just, <laughs> Well, how many players are on scholarship, Phil? Is it is it eighty or ninety? You can have eighty five on scholarship. Okay, so eighty five times two or three. You know, I'd much rather be paying one hundred seventy five thousand dollars up to maybe what two hundred and fifty for for all the players and keeping everybody happy than the money they're having to pay out to one one to four or five guys right Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) It's crazy. Good point. It's crazy. Very lucky to have a guest who can actually be a Swiss Army knife as Rick Sanford joins us now because he's an expert in college sports. He's also an expert in the NFL, and Rick wanted to uh, focus in on the NFL. And I was telling Phil, uh, after we got through the wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend that the NFL has now uh, promoted onto us with six games this past weekend, none of them outside of the uh, Rams-Detroit Lions game was all that competitive. Is that an mm-hmm. indictment? Because we don't have guys opting out of playoff games in the NFL. They, they want to win. All those teams want to win. Is that, is that an indictment on the new schedule, the new expanded playoffs, or is it just an aberration in your mind that, uh, no offense, Phil, that a seventh seed can go in and knock off a, a team like Dallas to open up the uh, playoffs? That wasn't just any seventh seed. That was the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. Yes, sir. All right. You didn't have to give Phil. You should have never said that. Uh, I tell you, open the floodgate. I know. The Packers. <laughs> I had to listen to it all night Monday, Rick. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. No, no, I mean, you can go back, I think. that The thing about the NFL is that all all teams are competitive. I mean, they're all professional athletes. This is what I used to tell I, I never understood why people bet on sports. Because <laughs> on any, any – I mean – I mean, and, and especially pro football. And I'll tell you the reason. I mean, you can get lucky every now and then, but they're all professional athletes. And, that you know, there are going to be some upsets occasionally in that game, I can just tell you, because, it, you know, you're, there's there's a fine line between how good those players are compared, you know, competitively with one another. 
So I, I just, you know, I, I think it's great the way they, they've um, done the playoffs now. And uh, a team like the Packers, you know, can get hot like this at the end of the season. Go back to when the Giants beat the Patriots, you know, and when the Patriots were 18-0, and 0, the Giants just got hot at the end of the season. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good opportunity for, for teams to, you know, have the chance to continue to play. Uh, I think the Packers feel, by the way, I mean, that was a wonderful victory. Anytime the Cowboys lose, it's a great thing. Mm. Uh, but, you know, but I will say this, Phil, I think they're about ready to get mowed down this coming year. <laughs> well, I think that uh, well, funny. The, the challenge just, is great. Uh, uh, let me just defend my Packers here. The challenge is great, okay, but I think that um, we'll see what happens. The 49ers have weapons um, running back, tight end, wide receiver, you know, per- <laughs> everywhere. Well, and their defense—they got a great sack man on defense. You know, I know that. Yeah. But uh, okay, let's just, I don't, let's just don't sell the Packers too short right now, Doctor Rick. Let's don't sell them too short. All right. Well, I will say this, Phil: you're going to owe me lunch at the Packers. No, I'll take the 49ers and you take the Packers. And you know right? what? And, we'll, and I'll whoever. and I will only take five points. Okay, I'll only take five <laughs> points. <laughs> I knew you were coming with the points. <laughs> <laughs> But, Rick, it brings up an interesting question, though, about San Francisco and also on the AFC side of the coin, Baltimore. You've been in the NFL for – used to play in the NFL for a long time. What is momentum like in the playoffs? I mean, is there an advantage to having that week off, or does Green Bay actually have maybe the upper hand because they're coming in hot, as you pointed out, having won a playoff game already on the road in a place that nobody else had won this season? I mean, does Green Bay maybe have an edge because they played last weekend? Well, I, you know, that is a, a theory out there. I think, in my opinion, I would want the rest. But um, it, there is something to be said for, um, you know, continuing to play. Uh, I think that it does help the Packers because the Packers are young. That is one thing about the Packers. That's one of the youngest teams I've seen in the NFL to, to be as accomplished as they are. So that, that field tells you good things for the future. Mm-hmm. I, and I think Jordan Love is – has definitely come into his own. Um, he has played just outstanding football for about the last nine or ten weeks. Uh, so, uh, who was that guy that used to have at quarterback? You don't need him. Yeah, you're, you're, you guys are doing fine. He's too you busy trying good. to solve every problem on the planet. So that's fine. And, and <laughs> sitting in dark rooms and things like that. So we appreciated the contributions, but time to move on. All right. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, appreciate his contributions, but time to move on. Uh, That's right. Dr. Rick is with us for a few more minutes here. I went to the uh, funeral today for Art Baker over in Sumter, and I know that was somebody that you knew extremely well, both of you in the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame, and um, your paths crossed, I'm sure, many, many times on football fields and football offices. And what are your, what are your remembrances and your thoughts about him? Well, he was a wonderful man, number one. One of the kindest gentlemen that you would ever meet uh, was Art Baker. There's no doubt about that. He uh, was a, he actually recruited me, Phil, when he was at Furman uh, coming out of high school. Really? And I, uh, Yes, got to know Coach Baker and uh, really a fine man. I've known him for years and years and years, and he's, he's just one of the nicest, kindest people you would ever meet. Now, I, I, I don't know if his former players would say the same, but I, I think you, one thing about Coach Baker, I think he was always a fair person about everything. And he always, um, he, he just, 
he just had a zest about him. You know, when you sat down and talked to him, you, you just were, he just brought out happiness and he was just such a kind man. And I, I hated to see his passing, but boy, I tell you, he'll, you talk about an icon in, in the state of South Carolina in athletics, his, his career at Citadel, Furman, and when he was at South Carolina. And look at that coaching tree he coached mm-hmm. under, you know, back with. Well, look at, go back and look at uh, Coach Jim Carlin's, uh, you know, when Jim was coaching, uh, Art was on the staff, Bobby Bowden was on his staff at Texas Tech. I mean, you just go in West Virginia and you go back and look at, at his coaching tree, and I'm sure he has spurned out tons of coaches himself. So, um, he, you know, you just can't say enough good things about a man like Coach Art Baker. Absolutely. In fact, they had several of his former Eau Claire high school players were there. They asked they mm-hmm. asked those guys to stand. And we all know about the guys that coached under him at Eau Claire. You know, Dick Sheridan, uh, Jimmy Satterfield, uh, Steve Robertson, um, I think Mike O'Kane yep. was on that staff. Uh, but, but one I did not know until they mentioned it today was Buddy Sasser. I didn't know Buddy Sasser was on that Eau Claire High School coaching staff. I did not know that either. Mm-mm. I did not know. And, and boy, what, what a high school staff. Really? <laughs> I mean, that's some serious coaching right there, dude. Yeah, that is some serious coaching. That, I think I'd find a way to play football at Eau Claire back then <laughs> if I could. Speaking of coaching, speaking of coaching, before we let you go here, next three or four minutes, Let's get your your take on uh, Clemson and South Carolina coming off of this past season. What kind of what kind of uh, opinion, what kind of take do you have on the job Dabo Sweeney did at Clemson? The kind of job uh, Shane Beamer did at South Carolina. Well, I think uh, you know Dabo. It, it, as much as he gets criticized, you know, you win ten games. I mean, that's still a pretty good program, uh, but. I, I do think they did very well. The, the thing that I, I would be concerned about if I was Clemson is my quarterback play, Phil. I, I just, I'm just not sold on Klubnik uh, going forward. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think he's a good football player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good football player, but I, I just there's something missing there, and I don't know what it is. I think it, he needs to improve his passing. He needs to do uh, uh, quite a few things about his mechanics, I think, need to be better. And um, – I'm just not sold there. I think that Clemson needs to, um, you know, look at look at competition at the quarterback level, and I'm sure they do. They look at quarterback. You know, they've done this before with with DJ, and when they brought Klubnik along. So I don't know, Phil. I'm I'm, I'm a little skeptical at their quarterback, but you know, they still won ten games, so that's still not a bad season. Over on the South Carolina side, I thought Shane did the best job he could with what he had. I, I think South Carolina. Um, uh, has a they just have a ways to go, Phil. They just have a ways to go, and that, they're going to have to continue to try to build themselves through the portal. That's a very, very tough job. I've said it for years. South Carolina is is very difficult because of the conference they play in, and because of the people that are in that conference with them. And it's going to be difficult to continue to you know win uh, a ten win season over there is is a monumental thing. Look at Ole Miss this year winning as many as they did. That's monumental for Ole Miss to compete in that conference uh, like that. Now, I, I'll be I'll be interested to see if Ole Miss can sustain that, like the programs like Georgia and Alabama and, and those type schools. I don't think they will. I think they'll be good next year, but I don't know that they can sustain it. And I'm not sure if you're a South Carolina fan, that you're ever going to be be able to expect 
you know, nine and ten win seasons as long as they're playing in the Southeastern Conference. I think you can, you know, I think a great season for South Carolina now is looking at seven or eight wins. That's just the way it is, and that you gotta, you gotta accept that. And um, and I still think, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered for South Carolina at the quarterback position this year, and it's going to be difficult for you know unless we can get some protection up front. Uh, for Sellers and or whoever's going to be the quarterback, I think it's going to be him. But I, I think I think that they're going to struggle as long as they can't protect the quarterback. And yeah, I, I applaud Rattler for hanging in there the way he did this year because there were times uh, I tell you I don't I don't know how he stayed upright as much as he did. Uh, but you know, hopefully Sellers will come in and do well, and hopefully this kid from Arkansas coming in will help you know with the running game. And I think they, you know, they've got a chance. I, I think, but when you're South Carolina, I think you're looking at seven to eight wins. And if you have that, I think that's a very, very successful season. Doctor Rick, always great talking to you. Happy birthday once again. You still, you know, Thank look you. like you could put the pads on today and flatten somebody. So you know, well, I'm just too skinny and too stiff for that now, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we love you, man, and thanks for being with us on the program as always, and we will see you down the road. Thanks, Rick. Miss you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you all so very much for having me on. Great talking to you. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Dr. Rick Sanford, number 25 in your program, number one draft pick, state of South Carolina history, outstanding seven-year, eight-year career NFL, All-American Gamecocks, still can crack your bones because you know he is a doctor be right back we're with major billy downer of the department of natural resources major downer it's the fall in south carolina that means it's deer season what do people need to know about that's right phil it is deer season we always want to remind hunters to identify your target know the identifying features of the game you're hunting make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot when walking to and from your stand in low light use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer for more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. Thanks again to Dr. Rick Sanford for being with us on Sports Talk. If you missed any or all of that interview, it'll be available for you in podcast form. After the show tonight, be sure to check out our podcasts. You can catch the whole show. You can catch uh, various elements of the show. And our podcasts are available to you in a number of different locations like uh, Spotify and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Wherever your podcasts are available, just do the search for Sports Talk, Sports Talk SC and the like, and you'll find it, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a Wednesday night. Terrific show so far. Great comments, great conversation. Great intellect, great insight, great analysis. Great, 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 great. Uh, Rick Sanford, great, 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 great as well. Coming up, a great, 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 great high school basketball segment. Hooping and hollering with Coach John Combs in just a second. Let me update some hoops. Some hoops. Furman winning big at VMI, 51-36. Kentucky <clears throat> leading Mississippi State 8-5. Ole Miss 6-3 over LSU. Virginia Tech 6-4 over Virginia uh, Chris, do you think it's just a waste of time to give uh, scores of the first three minutes of a game? 
<laughs> it usually is because uh, unless it's just uh, one team that's so much better than the other, uh, it's not going to decide the game. Mm. I doubt Kentucky's 8-5 to five advantage over Mississippi State. It may hold, mm. but I doubt that the Bulldogs are thinking we got no shot now. Florida State 8-5 to five over Miami. Longwood two to nothing over Upstate. That's my favorite. PC leads high that's point. That's a score you need to give out. Yeah, yep. high point. Uh, PC PC leads seven to four. East Tennessee and Wofford three three in their game. Greensboro six three over the Citadel. Louisville North Carolina later tonight. That should be a bloodbath. North Carolina five and zero in the ACC, and Louisville is still just bad. Auburn and Vanderbilt. Later on tonight as well. In the Sun Belt, Appalachian leading Georgia State 32-25. Now, high school basketball Wednesday night. It's the the calm after the storm of games last night and the calm before the storm of games coming up on Friday. Let's welcome in Coach John Combs, another edition of Hooping and Hollering on a Wednesday night talking high school hoops in South Carolina with the director of the South Carolina Basketball Coaches Association, a former head coach himself. Coach, good evening. How are you? It's great to have you with us once again. Well, good evening to y'all. It's awesome to be here once again to talk a little high school basketball. Great night for it. Absolutely. Uh, anything last night around the state to catch your, catch your eye as far as some of the results went? Well, no, nothing particular. It was just finally nice to have a Tuesday night to where uh, we were actually able to play games. I mean, last week, Tuesday and Friday, were both impacted by weather. And it was a, a lot of makeup games last night and come off Martin Luther King Day games that were on Monday. Um, you know, matter of fact, there's a lot of games going on tonight. Matter of fact, uh, I know Westwood and Ridgeview are playing each other and boys and girls basketball and the boys' side in 4A. That's uh, number one versus number three in our polls. So there's some... Good basketball going on all this week. I was looking at your polls. They came on. They come out on Tuesday. For those who are wondering, the girls and boys uh, top ten rankings from the uh, coaches association comes out on Tuesday afternoon, and so I was just kind of scanning through them. Um, off of your memory, as you think about the rankings, boys and girls across the state, uh, anything really surprise you there? Is it is it pretty much uh, typical, or do we have anybody who's kind of uh, broken into the rankings? that ordinarily, uh, you know, might not be there, a school or two that you can cite? I mean, there's not one. I mean, you know, you got St. James that's at, uh, in 5A's ranked third. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a high ranking for them. They're kind of a younger program. There's a big win, actually. You know, Burns High School beat Dorman the other night, um, and that was before the rankings came out. I think Burns was at five, Dorman was at four. So that was good. Um you know, Westwood High School, my former uh, former school, they're third and 4A. That's a high ranking. And our guest that we had last week, Trent Robinson, doing a great job first year. You know, it, it's uh, there's a lot of the, the traditional schools out there that that are that are doing it. This is where we start separating. You know, we're second week in the region play, and this is where we start seeing who's for real and who's kind of pretending. Well, we have a special guest tonight once again, and her team – is one of the best teams in the state, regardless of class, because they're just an excellent program. They also happen to have uh, maybe the best player in the country, or one of them. So I'll let you introduce our guest and take it from there. Well, uh, first of all, we're excited to have uh, uh, you know Coach Natalie Norris from Camden joining us. And I will say this: I'll go out on the not going to go out on the ledge, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think they are the best 
girls basketball team we have here in the state. Uh, you know, she's done a great job with her program. And last year they won a state championship over a very good Wren basketball team. So it's great to have uh, Coach Norris with us tonight. Coach, how are you doing tonight? Hey, great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that's that's great, Coach. Let, let me. How's region play starting off for y'all so far this year? Well, um, we're off to a good start. We um, we're two and zero right now. Uh, we were like so many other schools were really impacted last week, and that we didn't get to play either of our region games. So we're we're looking at a couple of uh, three game weeks in the next couple of weeks to to get those games made up. Of course, Coach, you you coach uh, uh, Joyce Edwards. She just recently uh, earned a big-time milestone. I want you to tell us a little bit about what milestone, someone she just passed recently. Yeah, um, just this weekend, Joyce, uh, I guess, took over the number two spot in the all-time South Carolina scoring list. Uh, she surpassed Allison Feaster mm. on the list and, uh, and stands alone at, at number two. I saw that. That was uh, a lot, and I did a little quick math. Uh, number one was is Ivory Latta. That one, that one might be a little tough for her to get. I, I'm, I'm guessing, um, but right. I wouldn't put anything past. I wouldn't put anything past her for sure on on that. Joyce is just so been remarkable. Us, well, tell us, Coach, what's what's it been like to 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 coach her this year? Now, especially that she's got her college commitment aside and done with going to University of South Carolina. How has that been the coacher this year? Uh, it's it's been great as as it's been. You know, Joyce is a a sixth year senior for us. Um, you know, six year starter, and uh, Joyce is just remarkable. Uh, her work ethic is is top notch. Um, there's been no let up in in her work. Um, she's not you know coasting through this last year. Um, and so it's been, you know, been really special to see her commitment to to continue to play at such a high level. Well, Coach, I should have mentioned at the top, you know, you you played at the University of South Carolina with uh, uh, Coach Walvis, if I'm not mistaken. How, you know, how is it for you that she is committed to play at the school you played at? Oh, it's been really, really neat, you know. Joyce obviously was pursued by really every big program in the country and uh and and to see her you know settle on South Carolina has been has been really really neat and I I just think it's so good for you know for for the state coach Staley has done such a great job at you know keeping the best players at home and uh you know Joyce being a part of that is it's going to be really really special to to watch her to continue to grow and contribute to this great South Carolina program. I do have to ask, did you enjoy the recruiting process? Did you enjoy getting to meet all these college coaches and all the attention that was going on or was it more challenging or or, how would you describe that? Uh, It it was really, it was neat. Uh, Hmm. You know, just seeing all the, the different people come you know, come through the gym at, at Camden. It was, it was a special time for, you know, for our school, for our program. It was a lot of positive attention, and Joyce has always just carried herself so well. And it, it's just been, you know, it's been nothing but a, but a positive. Now, um, I didn't have to deal with as many phone calls as you know as Joyce had to, but um, you know, from from my standpoint, it's all been a positive. Hmm. 
Well, you know, one thing, Coach, you know, we, we talk a lot about Joyce Edwards and good reason for because she is an outstanding basketball player and an outstanding young lady, great family. But you've got more on your team than just Joyce. Talk a little bit about your team because I think you've got a great mixture of older people and some really good younger players coming through the pipeline. Yeah, John, thanks. Um, we've got in, in our starting lineup, we have, you know, two other seniors who've been varsity players since, the eighth grade, Zaysia Carter at the point guard, and Deanna Jeffcoat, a shooter. Uh, Morgan Champion is a junior starter for us who's been on the varsity since the seventh grade, so she's a, a fifth-year junior. Um, and then we have uh, a freshman, Braylon Mungo, who's already attracted multiple Division One offers and is playing at a really high level. And then our first two kids off the bench are freshmen who are contributing every single night and Shanaria Wright and Harmony Jefferson. So we're real fortunate that, you know, we do have Joyce, who I do believe is the best player in the country. But we have some awfully good pieces around her. Coach, if I could ask a quick question about Joyce, Coach, and thank you for being with us. From your conversations with Coach Staley and with uh, Joyce and her conversation with Coach Staley, how do they – envision her fitting in in the program what kind of role and if you could perhaps compare her to a a former uh usc women's player that she might be similar to to give us an idea what how do they see her fitting in with what they do that we've seen them play this year joyce is gonna is is gonna you know slide seamlessly into into that and you you hate to to put any kind of you know pressure like making a comparison like I'm about to but uh, Joyce has the skill set of of a player like an Asia Wilson with her ability to to handle the ball to um, you know to see people in the open floor to shoot I mean she just has a an outstanding all around game and she's such a smart player such a high basketball IQ um, you know Coach Staley's going to be able to use her in a in a variety of ways I really believe. Mm. Go ahead, Coach. Coach Combs. Well, you know, Coach, you had speaking of best player in the country, and I'll echo that that sentiment for sure. You played in one of the uh, great environments in basketball earlier this year in the Chick Fil A Classic when you matched up against Grace Christian and Sarah Strong. How was that experience for you and your team to, to play in such a high level game? And I know Coach Staley and other coaches were there in attendance. How was that for you and your team? Uh, it was it was really neat. Um, it was our second year being able to participate in the Chick-fil-A, and, and we're so appreciative of, of them giving, you know, girls girls teams an opportunity to play in that kind of venue. But, you know, it was really special to, to play in front of a, you know, it was a, a really, really good crowd, um, a real exciting atmosphere, and, you know, nothing but, but positives, you know, from us to be able to be part of that kind of environment. Well, I know it was a great environment for high school basketball, regardless, boys, girls. I think it is. It was an amazing game. And, you know, what did you see out of Sarah Strong? Did you – I know she was – I think she hit like three threes or four threes in the first quarter uh, against y'all. And first of all, I will applaud you for playing a very difficult schedule. There are some coaches that will not do it, but you were challenging your team. I think you're about 14-2 and two on the year, and your only two losses, I believe, are to out-of-state teams that are – high-level opponents, uh, but I'll give you a lot of credit for that. How do you see Sarah Strong and, you know, that matchup with her and uh, Joyce? That had to have been really good for, for, for both of them to compete against each other. 
That was that was really neat, and we knew, you know, coming in, Sarah Strong, what what kind of player she was, and we we knew she could shoot the three, but uh, I don't think we expected her to go seven of ten, which I think she did uh, from three <laughs> that night. Uh, so she was certainly exceptional, and uh, you know, both of those uh, young women lived up, you know, lived up to the billing and and played and and really showed why they're so highly regarded across the country. I, I got to ask, how is it the coach, Deanna Jeffcoat, how is that the, the coach her and uh, <laughs> that dynamic? I've always wondered how that type of dynamic works as a coach. I've got two daughters, and I'm not so sure it works so well if I was coaching my daughters at a high-level sport like that. Hmm. Well, uh, it's it's been really special in, in the things that we've been able to experience together and achieve together but I would be lying if I didn't say it doesn't come with some challenges because hmm. you know the other in you know, 10 10 girls I leave at the gym but that one comes home with me and so um, <laughs> uh, you know that's that's had a few little challenging moments along the way but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything it's been really really special does she call you in the gym does she call you mom or does she call you coach she slips and says mom every now and then, but for the most part, it's coach. That's great. That's great. And coach, share with us one more time. You know, I, I know last year or last year you, you were coming off of losing a really tough state championship to Keenan. And then now last year you won it. How's the motivation this year going for a, a repeat? How, how's that motivation for you and your team? Well, they, you know, I, as I was saying earlier, we've got such a, a veteran team, you know, six, five, six years uh, as varsity players. And uh, so they, they have very high expectations uh, of themselves individually and, and for us as a team. And, you know, there's never been a girls basketball team at Camden High who's ever won back-to-back state championships. And so that's very much, you know, on their mind. But it has been a different mindset this year because you know, we feel like we've kind of gone from the the hunters to the more, I guess, hunted and, and you know, taking some people's best shots and, and having just to, to be really, really ready every single night. Well, that's great. Now, what are you – now, what's the challenge now? I mean, in region play, what are, you, what are you working on to try to get better as you prepare for the playoffs, which will be here in two or three weeks? Right, it'll be here really soon. Well, as as always, there there are lots of things that we need to tighten up and clean up. Um, we need to to rebound the ball better. We need to to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, need to shoot a little better. Hmm. So you know, all of those things uh, have lots of room for improvement for us. But you know, we feel like we're we're starting to to hit our stride, which, you know, you want to be this time of year. We definitely don't want our best games to have been a month ago. So we feel like we're headed in the right direction. Well, that's great. Coach, is there anything else you'd like to share with us that maybe we, we didn't touch on or any other players you want to talk about? Um, just uh, We're just really appreciative of, you know, being able to, to come on here and talk about the, you know the kids from Camden, and uh, really thank you for thinking of us, and I really appreciate it. But I think that's about all. Super. Well, coaches, we thank well, you coach, all so much you. for being with us. You go ahead, coach. I was just going to say thank you very much for what you do, coach. You work really hard, and 
excited about uh, you know the playoffs and everything coming up. We just thank you for your time tonight. Oh gosh, well thank you, John. Sure appreciate all you do for basketball in our state. Uh, you do a great job. Thank you, Coach and well, Coach thank Combs. You. Thank you, sir. Great stuff as always. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. Thank you, Coach. Coach John Thanks. Combs. I appreciate uh, Coach being with us tonight, and um, always great to have him with us for uh, hooping and hollering on a Wednesday night here on Sports Talk. And our thanks as well to Coach uh, Norris from Camden High School, Coach Natalie Norris, and the great job she's doing at Camden. And uh, a team that, as we said earlier, probably could – could win a championship in any class. That's how good they are. I was just thinking, should we have an an all an all state type of uh, playoff in South Carolina, a one champion type thing like they did in Indiana? Hmm? What do you think? Be right back. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 730, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Listen. 
All right, thanks again to Coach Combs, Coach Norris, for being with us. Hooping and hollering here on Sports Talk. Give you the recruiting report now. It is brought to you by Seawells. Tomorrow's a Thursday. And what's on the menu? I know what we got Friday. It's Roast Beef Friday. So make plans to get out there for that. But for the buffet tomorrow, we got what? Spaghetti, carved applewood smoked ham, and chicken tendies out there, which I'm sure are also great in gravy. And then, yeah, Friday will be a roast beef Friday along with southern fried chicken and shrimp Alfredo. How do you put apple in wood to create apple wood to get that flavor? I defer to Chris. Yeah. How would you do that, Chris? How would you get (laughs) apple flavor in wood? It really works well with bacon. Yeah. really works well with bacon, but I don't know how it works. Probably a smoking process of some degree. So it's the wood from an apple tree. Well, there you go. Simple enough. And don't forget for catering, it's Seawells at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. A few notes for you of uh, interest and import. Linebacker Brett Clatterbaugh out of Virginia will visit Clemson January 27th. He goes to Penn State this weekend, Virginia Tech, on the 29th per Adam Friedman Rivals. Blythewood defensive tackle Sterling Sanders will visit USC this weekend. Liberty the 27th, Florida February 3rd. Clemson and USC apparently are on the outside of the top three with offensive tackle David Sanders of Charlotte. This according to a story by Evan Crowell of Vols Country FN on SI.com. Obviously, he's writing from a Tennessee standpoint, and Tennessee is, according to this story, one of the schools heavily involved, but he's got... Not South Carolina nor Clemson in this story among the uh, the favorites, which would come as a surprise to them, I think, because I think they both think they've got a good shot at this, uh, this kid from Charlotte. 2026 cornerback Samari Matthews of Cornelius, North Carolina, plans to visit USC Saturday. USC offered defensive end Kobe or Kabi Sakai Pra. Kabi Sakai Pra, 6'3", 225, Roswell, Georgia. Rock Hill receiver Malik Clark was offered by NC State. Former Myrtle Beach quarterback Ryan Berger is transferring from Appalachian State to Liberty. Hammond tied in Mike Tyler was offered by Virginia Tech. Florida coach Billy Napier visited with quarterback Ryan Montgomery of Finley, Ohio on Tuesday. He visits USC this weekend. Alabama transfer corner... Des Ricks committed to Texas A&M. We just saw a tweet that said nine Arizona players entered the transfer portal, John, in the last half hour. We also saw a tweet that said, what was it? All of Washington's starting offensive players are in the transfer portal, John? That's correct. Or leaving of some sort, uh, NFL draft or whatever the case may be, but yeah. They've, they've crossed out every single member of their starting 11 on offense, off their depth chart. What, is, what does that say about a school, its academics, and everything else it offers a kid that as soon as the coach leaves, the kid leaves? You know, it's like everything else about the program and the school never mattered to them. All right, hit the break. SC Wild coming up. Don't go away. 
Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. All right, time to go outdoors, if you dare, here on Sports Talk. SC Wild with Major Billy Downer from the Department of Natural Resources, and he'll be with us in just a second as we talk about, well, from my standpoint, one of my topics will be what the heck to do to prepare for this cold snap that we're starting to get into. I mean, it's been it's been chilly. It's been cold. It's going to get like brutally cold over the next uh, couple of days this weekend. Then it's going to warm back up. But the major will have some good ideas about what to do. Uh, throw another quick recruiting note here just to follow back up on that David Sanders information I mentioned that was written by Evan Crowell of a Tennessee website. I didn't give the other schools, but he listed for the player Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia as the top schools with Sanders. So that's why I said it looks like Clemson and South Carolina currently on the outside of the three. We welcome in Major Billy Downer from the Department of Natural Resources to SC Wild on Sports Talk. Good evening, sir. How are you? A good cold evening it is, isn't it? Well, it is, and that was going to be my my kickoff topic with you because I think we are an open topic uh, show tonight. And if anybody wants to join us with a comment or a question, the major is always willing to take your comments, your questions, your observations, your praise, maybe even a little criticism if you can come up with some criticism. Uh, 888-898-2525 is how you reach the major. So it's going to be really cold here uh, the next uh, couple of nights through the weekend. So just some things off the top of your head and maybe that you do yourself to um, – take defense against the cold outside for things that you need to take action against. What would some of those things be in your mind? Well, I mean, you know, we're talking about around the house, around the farm, a little different um, boats. We talked about that last time, making sure your motors are all the way down, that you have your foot clear of water. There's no water sitting in the foot. A lot of times people keep the motors propped up. Water will gather in the back of the prop. If it freezes, that can, that can actually cause problems. So, Lowering your unit, that motor all the way down so the water can drain out. It's always a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a standpoint, of, you know, everybody's covering up their faucets and everything else right now for these cold nights. But, you know, it's funny. It's South Carolina. We got a low of 17 coming up in a couple of days. And then right behind that, we got 75 degrees <laughs> next week. So, I, mean, it, I, always, I always laugh and say, it's welcome to South Carolina. If you don't like the weather today, just wait. It'll be different tomorrow. Yep. So, um, but we do enjoy cold weather when it comes to waterfowl hunting, and we are going to get some of that. Um, it's going to be pushing up north. I know up north of us, looking in the teens, I was in New Jersey last week enjoying some, a little vacation with some other officers, and we were sharing time with a game warden friend of ours up there and just had a really good time you know, just joking, hanging out, hunting a few ducks, and uh, they are going to be in the 10, 11 zone uh, this this week here and this weekend. So when that happens above us, typically that can push ducks down. And so we'll see if that does that for us here, a little late season push. Um, our waterfowling uh, has been pretty good uh, from the standpoint uh, this year in some areas. Uh, you know, I've been talking about the coast. And, again, just 
want to go over some of the numbers of where we've been this last report uh, on our coastal areas, our Category 1 areas, again, the draw hunt areas. You know, our number one area was at 5.4. There you go with that .4 duck again. <laughs> per man, that was uh, Murphy Island continues to be in the lead. Um, total of 86 purge harvested by 16 hunters, and they shot 325 times. One of the things that we'll talk about tonight a little bit more, I'm going to get a little bit more detailed into when we're looking at each one of these areas is how many times folks shoot and just which is indicative of how good the hunting may be because sometimes people aren't very good shots. I mean, um, and so potentially they should have all limited out. You know, the limit's six, so pretty much everybody should have limited out there. The top duck in the bag uh, for Murphy Island was green winged teal. Uh, and then after that, a really good number, northern pintail was number two, which is really cool to see. And then the shoveler and the gabwall tied at third uh, at Murphy Island. Again, it just seems like all across the East Coast this year, an increase in pintails in uh, New Jersey. I, we actually uh, saw pintails there as well. Um, just seems like, you know, that our man, from a management perspective, we're seeing a little increase in pintails, and that's a good thing, especially when we limit ourselves to one. Um, you know, sometimes we wonder why we limit birds to one bird uh, per man, and, you, you know, you may have been used to having two, and then you see the numbers that we see this year, and it's like, you know, I'm glad to be able to get a shot at one. It's nice. Hmm. Um, so pintail number's good. Again, that's third on the list. Greenwing Teal will be in top at Murphy Island. And right behind Murphy Island, our number two area at 4.7 ducks per man, uh, 28 uh, were harvested there. Six people hunting shot 83 times. That was interesting. That was um, Santee Delta East. And I don't think Santee Delta East has been in the report that much. We haven't talked about Santee Delta. Um, but East got hunted. And the number one duck there, again, was Greenwing Teal, followed by Bluewing Teal, uh, and then the Mallard of all things, in third place, uh, which is interesting. Uh, not but three birds taken, but with six hunters, that's pretty good to, to be able to shoot a mallard on one of our areas um, on the coast. So that was our second place. And our third place area rounded out at 4.5 ducks per man was <clears throat> Cedar Island. So did real well there. Top duck was green-winged teal, um, followed by blue-winged teal, and then – a uh, three-way tie for third between Gabwall, Shoveler, and Pintail. So, well, and I'm choking up. So, hey, oh, it got me all excited. I got I'll, choked up on it. I'll, all right, you clear your throat. I'll jump in visiting with Major Downer uh, as we go over uh, the waterfowl. So, now, what's how much longer do we have in this particular season? So we got. Year uh, end of January, excuse me, uh, to go <clears throat> for our season this year. So, looking at that, um, you know, about two more weeks in the season to go, uh, pretty much for us as we look at the season moving forward. Uh, and again, that's why right now, looking at um, the uh, season as we're looking at for today, just just you know where we're at with cold weather. There's still, you know, a week or so of good of good hunting days left. Typically, the last Sunday of the month is going to be our last day of the season, uh, and that's going to be looking around the 28th and just verifying that for make sure I'm not, not saying that wrong. But um, uh, so that's basically where we are 
in the waterfowl season now. We're in the last few, you know, last days uh, as far as where we are for South Carolina. But, you know, a good sign when you look at um, just birds being that, those kind of numbers on our areas really makes it nice. Um, but, again, it, again, it's just it's nice to see the birds like that, particularly when you see pintails like that. Mm-hmm. Um, green-winged teal we see on the coast a lot. Um, and those are uh, just, you know, where we are. It's January 31st being the last day of our duck season, uh, the last day of January where we are. Uh, so uh, we got, what, it's a, what, 17th, so we got 14 more days, two more weeks yeah. in the season. So if we get a cold push, it can really make the last 14 days of the season really nice. Um, again, we get cold like this, folks, you know, what do you think about when you go duck hunting, you know, Again, a lot of our hunting in South Carolina now has turned to private ponds in a lot of ways, but there's still some good public hunting out there, as I've talked about, on the coast um, and our inland lakes. You just got to do a lot more scouting. And I can tell you, I say this all the time, South Carolina hunters are probably some of the best hunters because we have to compete so hard and work so hard to find ducks. Hmm. Um, you go to other states and you just don't see the pressure. When I was in New Jersey, I think I saw one other boat the whole time. Um, of course, not, you know, the myriad of ducks we have down here as far as species-wise. You're up there looking at one type duck, you know, black ducks is what people go up there for. Um, but uh, when you come down to South Carolina now, we've got ringnecks. you got pretty good numbers all over. Gadwall's been up, like we've talked about. We saw widgeon up in some numbers and pintails, uh, even on, on public water. Uh, so a lot of different species out there. But as you look at cold weather going forward, um, one of the things to be thinking about, if you're going to go hunting in these next two weeks, particularly on cold mornings, and, and, and let me mention this as a guy that has a working hunting dog, one of the things that I am very concerned about because I've heard of it in the last year more than ever is dogs dying of hypothermia. Ooh. And people don't think about that. You think about your lab or your boykin. You know, they're used to hunting in the water. That's no big deal. They can handle it. they got that protective coat. And that may be true, but for whatever reason, I think a lot of times it has to do with us as the dog owner. Um, we get lazy. We don't work our dogs out enough. And the few times we get to go, we take the dog out there and expect them to perform like they did when we were working them every day. And you just got to be careful. Um, some folks I know last year lost a Boykin to hypothermia, uh, hunting in a wood duck bottom, literally not that far out, you know. I was in the water some on the stands. Uh, but if you get really cold days like we're talking about in the low 20s, um, and the water temperatures, you know, in that 30 zone, you got to be careful with dogs. You got to make sure that you do what you can. Been a lot of talk about um, the vests with dogs, and I've seen studies on both sides of that. Um, and I think it's about proper fit when it comes down to it. So if you've got a dog vest for your dog, I don't think it's a bad idea at all, but I think it needs to be properly fitted. It doesn't need to be too big. If it's too big and it's scooping water constantly between that dog and that vest, that's going to keep the dog cold because you're keeping cold water for always against his chest. But if it's properly fitted, that vest will contain the heat there and help keep that dog warm. Because I know this, when you take that vest off and your dog's steaming, that's not because he's cold. Mm. That's because there's warmth there. Um, but folks just need to really think about that. Make sure you're feeding your dog right. And don't forget water on a long hunting day. Just because you're hunting in the water doesn't mean the dog's drinking the water. So you know, take some water with you. Uh, and give your dog breaks. I mean, we um, is, we did that as well. Is there a suggested uh, 
time limit that you expose your dog to the elements before you say, okay, that's enough. We got to reel him in. No, um, you know, it's dependent upon your dog's fitness level. And that's what I talk about, you know, as hunters, sometimes we get lazy and we forget. The dogs, athletes just don't get out on the football field and perform and didn't practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they practice. And a lot of us will train our dogs. And once our dog gets trained, you know, we keep them in the house. We, they're, they're our best friends and ride in the truck or whatever. And when it comes to duck hunting, we go out there, put them in the boat, and we expect them to go work. And they may know what to do, and they may perform, but if you don't keep them in a good fitness level, they will tire quicker. They will get cold because they're not used to working in cold water. You don't build that temp, that, that just that resistance up. Um, like I said, like any athlete, I think we forget about that, is you don't expect a football player to walk out of the field and just run the ball or block, tackle, all those things without practicing day in, day out. So your dog, you need to practice. You need to put your dog out there, put him in the water some before the season, keep him in shape. Um, you know, between seasons so that they're ready to go and can perform at the level you want them to. And quite frankly, they do because a dog's not going to quit. Mm-hmm. As a vet, veterinarian told me, your dog is never going to quit on you. He's never going to show you pain, hmm. even if he has it. Uh, dogs just love to perform. They love to get praise. And they're going to do everything they can for you and never let you know if they're hurting. Mm. And that can put a dog in jeopardy. Um, if it's really cold. So just be careful about that with your dogs. Also, hunting. always want to say this because in the last year also or two, we've had some really bad fatalities during waterfowl season uh, involving a couple things. So let's mention that and talk about that tonight just to make sure folks are thinking about that. If you're going waterfowl hunting, always remember, in a boat, follow a float plan. We talked about that float plan. Tell people where you're going. Be specific. Let them know what landing you're going to be putting in at what area you're going to be hunting, and what time you plan to return. Again, so that if you don't come back on time, they know to start worrying. Now, with the age of cell phones, people keep in contact a lot more. But if you get dumped out of a boat and your cell phone hits the water, you're not going to be able to contact anybody, so the cell phone is worthless. And if somebody's calling you and it's going to voicemail, they need to know where you are so that if they call DNR, we have a starting place to come from to know as quick as we can can how to get to you because in cold conditions like this, every minute matters. So if you've already told your family, hey, I'm going to be putting in at Sparkleberry Landing, we know to start there. Or, hey, I'm putting in at uh, Stumphole or I'm putting in at Jack's Creek. I'm, I'm talking about Lake Marion or over on the other side, you know, maybe um, uh, wherever you may call, whatever landing that may be across the state, tell them what landing you're going to put in at uh, so that we have a starting point if you don't come back. We don't always want to think about the worst, but you need to plan mm-hmm. for the worst. You know, in that way, if it happens, you're good. Don't plan for the best because if it goes bad, you didn't plan for it. So plan for the worst. Be prepared. You know, we always talk about life jackets. Wear your life jacket when you're duck hunting. Uh, New Jersey's got it now. You have to wear a life jacket when you're duck hunting, uh, going to and from the blind, which is probably a really smart idea. We wore float coats uh, for the most part, and float coats are those things that kind of gone by the wayside, but they still make them, and it's a great idea for a waterfowl hunter, particularly if you're in your boat and you're wearing waders, which not necessarily, as we talked about before, a wader will not necessarily sink you. Just because you've got waders on doesn't mean it's going to sink you. If the weight for the water, the water equalizes inside the waders. Um, if you don't have neoprene, if you've got the newer style, it's more loose-fitting. Once it equalizes, it's not going to sink you. Uh, in fact, you can ball your knees up to your chest and contain air inside those boots, and it'll actually help you float. But it does 
hinder your movement. So especially when you got a lot of jackets on and stuff like that and you hit the water all of a sudden um, and you come up and you're trying to swim, those boots and all that get in the way, having a life jacket or a flotation device will be a great aid to you. Uh, cold water shock, all those things we talk about. You're dressing layers. Make sure you wear layers, not just in one big coat. Wear some layers. You can always take layers off if it's not as cold as you thought in the morning as it gets warmer. But put those layers on, that'll help you. You know, avoid exposing your body to the air, your face, your hands. Wear gloves, face masks, those kinds of things. Always wear a warm hat, something to keep that heat from dissipating from the top of your head. Those are things that will help prevent hypothermia. And if you get wet, get dry as soon as possible. I, mean, I, I know that sounds stupid, but for somebody, if you fall in, mm. don't sit out there and keep hunting. Get back to the hill. Get somewhere where you can dry off and get warm because hypothermia can set in in as little as 30 minutes once you've been dipped in the water like that and you're exposed to that water in the air. Again, on a 17-degree morning like we got coming up or 23-degree morning or what have you, Hypothermia can set in quickly. So think about that when you're out there uh, duck hunting. Prepare for that when you're in your boat. Make sure you got life jackets for everybody. Wear them when you're going to and from the blind. It's not the law uh, here in South Carolina, but it's a great idea to wear that life jacket because you never know if you hit a stump and get thrown out in the, night, in the morning. All of a sudden, you know, you're prepared a little bit better for that situation if you got a life jacket on or a flotation coat. Uh, they'll help you float. Um, you know, again, one more thing, you know, everybody loves a gun. We pay a lot of money for those shotguns now. Get a floating gun case. They're too cheap. You can get them for as little as 25 30 bucks. Get you a $30 gun case for that $1,500 gun hmm. because most of our guns today cost $1,200, $1,300, $1,400. Um, and even if it's not, I don't want my $300 gun to go to the bottom of the water. So get that $25, $30 gun uh, flotation uh, gun uh, bag there and make sure you put that on your gun, put your gun in that case so that if something dumps or even moving around in the boat at the blind, your gun hits the water, it's going to float in that blind, uh, in the bag. So just a couple of things to think about. And again, if the worst let, happens. Let me let me jump in real quick here, uh, Major, because we have a caller for you who has a question, so I hate to uh, break in on your, on your no, flow there, but I uh, want to get this caller on. Danny in Georgetown is with us here on SE Wild DNR with Major Billy Downer. Danny, go right ahead. Thank you for waiting. Hey, Billy. How you doing, bud? Good talking to you. Thanks for being on the show tonight. What can we help you with? Good to speak with you again. Listen, I'm just uh, I I'm one of these guys that puts in every year for the uh you know for the draw hunts and they and it is a wonderful experience, by the way. I, I've been a number of times on the Santee uh, Coast Reserve and it, enjoyed it. I wanted to ask you a question. The uh, Santee Delta East Unit and the West Unit, I know this past year they weren't on the um, the draw list and everything, but I think you said that there was a draw hunt held on that unit. Have those units come back online yet? I know they do you and, and you, your folks have done a lot of work to try to, try to rehabilitate those areas, particularly after these, uh, these big pressures. You know, we had come down the Santee River just basically wipe out your nights, man. Can you tell us about the status of those two Category 1 WMAs? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good question. We had Molly on probably a week, uh, about a month ago prior to the season uh, talking about our WMAs. It's a good question. Yes, the Delta units were off the, off the list for a while. They're back on, as we've talked about in prior shows, with uh, floods, hurricanes, 
king tides. It doesn't feel like it was a hurricane sometimes, these king tides. Once we have those dikes breached and you're trying to redo those dikes with the mud that's there, the dirt that's there, and then you have a king tide that we have, you know, as many times a year as we have those now, seems like all the time, it just degrades that dike and had a lot. It's been a, it's been a challenging environment in a lot of places, Sam Worth and others. But uh, Delta East was definitely back online. Um, they had to hunt there, like I said before, uh, and they shot some green wing teal, um, blue wing teal, and some mallards actually um, in the bag. Not a lot of hunters there, uh, but we try to you know allow some opportunity on these areas to get them back open and doing. But yes, so thanks for that question. It's a great question. Uh, continuing to work, Molly, I know, and her and the staff on the coast, uh, Aki and the group there at Santa Coastal Reserve, really working hard to keep our dikes uh, in good shape and try to get them to where they can be, um, they can literally, quote, weather the storm in the future. Uh, so I, I really always give a shout-out to our staff. They so often do not get the praise they deserve for the work they do during the middle of the summer when it's hot and they're out there dealing with, all, all these different weeds and, and grasses and burning and trying to get things ready for when we come out there in December, you know, November, December, and January to enjoy a hunt. A lot of times we don't understand the work that went on the nine months of the year prior to that to get those fields ready, moving water uh, with these, you know, like we talked about with the old rice trunks and just uh, managing those systems uh, that have been there for literally hundreds of years. So it's, it's a really good job that our folks do, and I can't praise them enough. But thanks for that question. Yes, Delta East is back up. Uh, limited hunt this year some, so it was on the draw a little bit. And we've really seen a really good rise on the coastal reserve. You know, for years, for like 10 years ago, it looked like uh, Bear Island really came back up. And it's doing very well this year as well. In fact, Bear Island's probably the number one place to go kill a model duck, looks like of all of our areas this year so far it still has the highest numbers of model ducks if that's one of your um one of your trophy items or you know that that uh that one duck you have not been able to take or find the bear island springfield cut is a good unit for that looks like this year it's just been a, a day in day out been good for model ducks but uh phil that's pretty much i know we're getting close to the end today but that's our show again as the cold water cold weather moves in please be careful when you go out prepare for it life jackets float coats um and again follow that float plan let people know where you're going to go and when you plan to return sounds like a great advice for the next couple of days and then back to your bikinis and your um (laughs) 75 degrees here we go again there you go there you go well you have a great uh weekend great couple of weeks and we will catch you in a couple of weeks uh we'll be into february next time so uh, rolling right along, heading towards a lot of things uh, this year, including the, the Sportsman's Classic that will be here in a couple of months. Absolutely. Coming up, looking forward to that in March. So, yes. Look forward to no being there. About it. Thank you, Major. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Major. Yes, sir. Thank you. Major Billy Downer from DNR. Another edition of SC Wild here on Sports Talk from the Department of Natural Resources. And, boy, we love partnering with them and getting the word out about what they do, get their message out across the state. They do so many great things in our state for hunters and fishermen and, and, and campers just to, you know, to try to protect you but also allow you to, to just do your thing and have a great time out there. But you got to be careful. you got to follow certain regulations to make sure everybody can enjoy 
All right, uh, basketball update a couple things. Uh, Kentucky leading Mississippi State halftime, 47-29. Halftime, LSU leads Ole Miss, 35-33. Halftime, Virginia clamping down on Virginia Tech, 25-15 at the half. Halftime, Florida State over Miami, in Miami, 45-35. In the first half, Upstate trailing Longwood, 38-26. Halftime, High Point leading PC, 37-33. At the half, East Tennessee State over Wofford, 38-36. At the half, Greensboro leading the Citadel, 38-29. And Furman beat VMI 100-60. That'll do it. Thank you, Chris Bergen, who's long gone. Thank you, Pat Daniel. Thank you, Major Downer. Thanks to all of you. Have yourselves a warm night. We'll see you tomorrow.